This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, helping the people of the world to live healthy lives. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for joining me today. My guest is Dr. Bob Uslander, co-founder and medical director of Empowered Endings. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, you're welcome, Claudia. Thanks for having me. You have over 30 years experience as a physician in emergency medicine, palliative care, and hospice care, and you're dedicated to support supporting patients and families through major health and life challenges, especially as the end of life approaches. Now, this cannot be an emotionally easy task. How do you, I thought we'd start by asking this question. So how do you set aside your emotions so that you can focus on the patients and the families? I oh, see. So you thought you would just start with the easy stuff, huh? Just, just kind of <laughs> ease our way into the conversation. I appreciate that. Um, the way to answer that question is I, I don't. When I'm with patients and families, especially when they're navigating these really difficult, challenging situations, I find to connect with them is to be open and be kind of raw with them. Not, you know, not that I'm pouring out my, you know, all my feelings and crying, but I am, I'm deeply uh, in it with them. And it's interesting because a lot of the patients that I, that I care for are, are pretty settled with, with the way things are. I hear, I, I, I can't tell you how often I hear patients say it is what it is. They somehow get to a point, and, and I often meet them after they've already kind of gone through the, the initial shock and emotional turmoil. By the time I meet with a lot of people, they've decided they're comfortable. The families are, are often not. A lot of the work that we do in our practice is helping families ex- experience things in a, in a way that's, that's healthier for them and more comfortable and, and allows the entire family system to connect on a deeper level and be aligned with what's happening. A lot of it is helping the family understand what the patient wants and needs and helping to guide that. I also spent 25 years as an emergency physician. So I, I dealt with a lot of um, dramatic situations. And I, and over that, over time, I learned how to receive a lot of the intense energy and stay calm and then be a, a calming presence and provide that just sort of gentle support for people. So that that was a big training ground for me in terms of handling and managing things emotionally. It sounds to me like it, you're dealing with like two separate sets of emotions. So the patient who at some point just understood their, you know, what is happening and has come to terms with it, then you probably have the families who are sometimes not willing to accept or not wanting to accept. Do you often see like, not? I'm sure there's not conflict, but I'm sure some like disagreements and where, you know, families can't accept what's happening and the, and the patient is just wanting the family to accept. Is that part of what you're dealing with as well? Absolutely. There is often conflict and sometimes it's between the, the, the family and the patient because the family might want something different uh, and the patient is making decisions that they may not agree with or be comfortable with. And then there's often conflict within families because they have different ideas about what the, the, the patient should do. One of the family members feels like it's it's okay for mom to not continue chemotherapy or you know, wanting to just be 
comforted and the others want her to do everything. And, and sometimes that can create conflict. You know, we do meet with patients. We do find patients who are conflicted and who are afraid and kind of struggling with some of the decisions and looking at what's, what's ahead. So a big part of our practice is working with having, having doulas and grief counselors and, and people who are, who are understanding of all of these natural conflicts and, and stress points and, and focus on easing them and soothing them and hearing them and holding them. I think one of the big problems with healthcare is that there isn't enough focus on the family's experience and supporting them. So once patients die, the families are often left with a lot of remorse and regret and guilt that could have been avoided had, had things been handled a bit differently uh, or, or very differently. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of conflict and we work a lot with conflict resolution. Now, because you've had so many years experience in the emergency room and you've been practicing for about 30 years, you saw what happens when, you know, things are not in order and end of life patients don't have a support system, a network. Um, and is that how empowered endings came about? Because you saw what it was like when it wasn't organized and you wanted to create an environment that would have everything lined up for families and patients uh, to, you know, to be at ease. Empowered Endings came about because of the sort of the combined experience that, that I had as an emergency physician and then transitioning into the standard palliative care and hospice world. And my wife, who was a social worker, medical social worker and a spiritual counselor who was also working in the hospice environment. And, and we both saw that there were many gaps that existed in, in the traditional healthcare system. My transition from emergency medicine to palliative care and hospice was, was sort of a gradual unfolding that I was kind of guided to looking for a career that would be more meaningful and, and where I could make deeper connections with, with people and use more of my, um, in kind of interpersonal skills, um, and, going into people's homes and just having a different type of experience. When I worked in the traditional system, I saw these gaps that were causing people to suffer and to struggle. And some of them, many of them actually were avoidable. And it's just that the system didn't, didn't recognize or didn't prioritize the things that we saw as gaps. Um, for example, when people go on hospice, at least in this country and in, and in most parts of the country, when people go on hospice, they don't see doctors ever again. The hospice care is almost exclusively run by nurses. And so there's a gap. Patients and families really benefit from having compassionate, engaged physicians uh, on the journey along with them. They don't have companions. They don't have, so we're incorporating end of life doulas who are chaperones and guides and advocates. And they're, they're there with people every step of the way, not just once a week and not just after kind of contacting a triage system and a phone tree. And so those are a couple of the big gaps that, that we've identified. And, and there are others that I imagine we'll get into. So we, we created empowered endings to fill the gaps and allow people to have a more dignified, peaceful, gentle end of life experience. When you started out in this, in this type of work, 
Were you anxious about dealing with all the different types of emotions and people and, and everybody deals with grief differently? And is that why in the empowered and like in that setting, you have grief doulas and you have, you know, therapists, is that how it works? So everybody has the same opportunity or do you have a checklist? Does the patient or family get to choose the services they feel they need? Each situation is unique. And each patient and family have different needs. And so we start out each encounter, each engagement with, with a meeting that allows us to, you know, really explore deeply what the patient and family are experiencing, what their circumstances are, what their values are, what's most important to them, what their goals are, the things both long-term and short-term goals. You know, do they want to, are they, are they wanting to be alive? Uh, in six months for the birth of a grandchild or a wedding? Do they want to go and have one more trip to Hawaii? What are the things that are really important? And then we kind of look at what their resources are, what their, you know, what, who's part of their team, what they have access to, and, and where the gaps are. And then we, we try to, we kind of orchestrate the experience that will help them, that will honor their values, help them achieve their goals, and create the least amount of struggle and suffering and overwhelm. So some of them just need a doctor. Some of them just need a grief counselor. Some of them need everything, including massage therapists and acupuncturists and physical therapists and the whole village. Some people need a small village. Some people need a big village. And I like that you say it that way because it just it it it's kind of how we handle life anyway. So end of life is really no different. You're just you're still making decisions that are going to be best suited to the individual. And I'm thinking of myself in a scenario like that, and I think I'd have to remove my own emotions and really focus on what is in the best interest of the of the patient. And what is going to make them most comfortable, not me and how I'm going to handle it. And that's interesting because we are biased, right? We come with our own biases. And having lost both of my parents, um, my mom almost 10 years ago now, which is kind of crazy to think. Um, it doesn't seem like that long ago. And my father, about a year later, I got to experience what it's like to lose a loved one that I was very close with. And, and so that helped me understand better what some of the families that I work with go through. I, I try to approach every situation um, as if I was treating my own family. And I did that in the emergency room as well. Um, and I, and I continue to do that. So just because I might want something a certain way or, or think it should be a certain way, that doesn't really matter if that's not what this individual thinks. And I try to do that with my own family as well. So sometimes it's not easy to pull your own kind of emotions and biases out of the picture. That's what we're, we're committed to. And, and we check ourselves. That's why we have meetings with our team every, you know, weekly and pretty and in between so that when we have challenges, you know, with, with how we're looking at things, we all support each other and helping to stay aligned and stay kind of true to the vision that we have, which is to meet each person where they're at and care for them in the way that's most aligned with their values. It sounds like it's a very, you know, lovely and peaceful experience. And I feel like that is what I would want for myself and my loved ones. When we come back, more from Dr. Uslander and some tips on how empowered endings can help. This is the wellness prescription on 1059 The Region. Stay with us. 
Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059theregion or email us info at 1059theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 1059 The Region. You're listening to 1059 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. Before the break, Dr. Uslender and I were discussing how emotional the end of life can be for family and for the patient. Um, And you co-founded Empowered Endings to help families uh, deal with all of the grief and deal with the emotions. I'm wondering, how does it work? So once you've done your you know, you've helped the families through the difficult time. The patient has now moved on. Is that where it ends or do you offer services um, or can they extend their services if they might need help with like grief counseling? Do you have a network where families can continue on? We actually have grief counselors that are part of our team. And one of the nice things is that sometimes those grief counselors are working, engaged with family members for a period of time could be days, weeks, months, or even years. And after the their loved one dies, the relationships often continue. So people can continue to see these grief counselors um, on whatever frequency is you know, comfortable and, and, and you know, mutually agreed upon. And those relationships can actually help to provide a transformation because they see a different way. They see that things don't have to be you know, go go according to the default model, and, and I think they're in general very grateful. Not everybody, you know, needs it. We we prevent a lot of trauma by by engaging the way that we do with people before the loved ones die. There's a lot of of um, trauma prevention, and and we can help to reduce the kind of the complex grief that sometimes happens when it comes to the um, end of life doula and a palliative care doula. Um, what is the difference? Well, there really isn't a difference. The doula is really a, it's a midwife. It's a it's a guide, companion, sherpa that helps to provide additional support and is a is a caring loving presence for the for the patient and family. Um, we have doulas that work with patients and families dealing with dementia. They're not necessarily, you know, they're not at the true end of life in many cases. But doula is sort of a catch a catchphrase for a person who is committed to providing support and guidance and advocacy, regardless of what the individual's family and patient are, are experiencing. So, you know, I think if you were to distinguish them, palliative care is for is for people who are dealing with complex situations and, and need sort of an interdisciplinary approach to reduce the, the burden and reduce the overwhelm and manage their symptoms. End of life is, you know, when, when p- people just sort of understand that they're no longer seeking curative treatment, they're no longer looking to go into the hospital for treatment of infections or that they're but they're prioritizing comfort and quality of life it's a spectrum hospice is a form of palliative care the, when people are in hospice they're actually receiving palliative care it's it's just at least in our country i don't know the specifics of in canada but in the united states when people are are deemed to have a life expectancy of less than 6 months and no longer want to go into the hospital 
and no longer want aggressive, you know, are looking for aggressive curative treatment, they go on hospice. So it's palliative care for people who have a life expectancy of less than six months and and want to focus on comfort rather than cure. Works very similar here in Canada. You there we do have hospice um, locations where yes, if they know that there's really no cure and it's just a matter of waiting and they want to be comfortable, we do have those facilities. And that's why I thought this was such a great conversation. Is there like with empowered endings? Is there a time frame? So like, does it matter how long you're going to be dealing with a particular client? It could because I know some illnesses can go on for, you know, months and months. And it's great because, you know, a person gets to live longer or it can be very quick. So there is no there's no predetermined amount of time that you can work with the families and the patients. We've had patients that we've taken care of for six hours, literally, who needed to get, you know, have a team come in and help get them out of the hospital into the home and, and comfort them. Um, for example, we had a patient who was on a ventilator and was struggling and knew that that they didn't want to continue living in in that condition and wanted to be at home and be um, at peace and comfortable. And and so we facilitated that. Um, And we've had patients who we've been caring for for six years. So there isn't, there are no qualifications, restrictions, particular timeframes to us being able to deliver beautiful in-home, customized care for people. And I feel like that is what everyone at end of life deserves is to have, you know, comfortable, peaceful, beautiful experience as they transition. So I think that's amazing. Now we know that there are gaps. So we have gaps in our system here as well. And there are gaps in the American system. What are some of the gaps that you noticed that encouraged you and motivated you to create empowered endings? Well, there's six primary gaps that we've identified that, um, many people struggle with uh, at the end of life. And those are the gaps that we've really focused on filling for people. The first is the lack of physician engagement for patients and families who are on hospice or dealing with end-of-life challenges. There's nobody companioning the patient and family uh, that that is able to advocate for them and, and show up for them in a moment's notice to sit vigil with them. There's a lack of attention to the for the family and the needs of the families and being able to guide them and, and, and really support them in helping to create the best possible experience for their loved one. People aren't given options about end of life, what, about what's possible. For example, um, in Canada, as well as in California and some of the states uh, in the United States, medical aid in dying is a legal option for people who are terminally ill. And a lot of times, you know, doctors and healthcare providers won't bring up that option for someone who's experiencing the, the challenges associated with a terminal illness as an option. We don't ever like encourage somebody to, to go down a particular path, but we want to make sure that they have all the information about the options. Voluntarily stopping eating and drinking is another option that we um, make sure people are aware of and that can be done in a, in a very gentle and peaceful way. End of life options and, and honest, open discussions about what's possible are typically, uh, it, that's a big gap. Life-enhancing therapies. When people go on hospice um, or are dealing with end-of-life uh, circumstances, there isn't enough focus on what can be done to actually enhance the quality of life because even though it's end-of-life, it's still life. And so we really 
encourage people to open themselves up to alternative type treatments, massage, acupuncture. We help people, you know, find um, reputable uh, sources to, to guide them in using cannabis or, you know, other types of um, alternative uh, treatments, energy healing, aromatherapy, physical therapy, and then just companionship. These are all things that can increase connection, improve quality of life by, you know, bringing more joy into people's lives. And then the sixth one, the last one is, uh, is planning. People don't do enough planning. We highly prioritize people planning early and making sure that they have conversations with their loved ones to identify what they want, what they don't want, how to, how to have the best possible experience as their life is coming to an end that is aligned with their values. And now, how does it work? So if, if somebody is not um, contacting you at Empowered Endings, um, what happens? Do they Can they have the option of just being in a hospital on their own without the network and the support that you've created? Yeah, I, I mean, what happens is they go through the kind of the default process. And sometimes people get lucky and they find a good hospice team or they have doctors who are really, who are engaged. Um, but mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of hit or miss, uh, the way that ho- hospices, at least in our communities, there's so many hospices that have popped up. It's hard to know which ones are providing, you know, good quality care, which ones are really just in it to make money. Um, mm-hmm. with, with all the hospices, they're competing for the same patients. They're competing for the same staff. So there's a lot of, fle- there's a lot of fluctuations and in, in the staff. Um, so we don't know what happens with all those people. I mean, I I sometimes get calls from panicked family members or patients, or sometimes from the doctors in the hospitals um, or on hospices, because they have people who are struggling and wanting and needing more support. And, and so, um, we step in, we meet with them, we find out what, what they're experiencing and, and we, you know, let them know what we have to offer. Now, if you could give advice to a family, a a family who has never experienced this before, um, you know, end of life is hard for everyone. And if they're, if this is their first experience, what advice would you give them, um, in terms of coping, how to cope? What would, what would you recommend? Find an advocate who you can trust somebody who's knowledgeable in this, in, in the field, um, and can provide unbiased objective guidance to make sure that you're looking at at everything that needs to be considered so i I think the strong i think the most important thing is is not trying to do it all by yourself but find advocates um to help navigate the the journey most people have mm-hmm. have never uh, gone down the end of life journey before. The, I mean, the individual, the patient, certainly has never gone down the end of life journey before. Um, or there's probably a few people who have, and you know, <laughs> and had miraculous cures. But most people are doing this for the first time. And, and you know what mm-hmm. I find is that most people, certainly in, in the United States, most people feel like when they when things get really complicated and they need more support that the healthcare system is going to show up for them um, and and provide that support. And it it often doesn't. And and then people are 
are surprised and uh, overwhelmed, frustrated, but they're they're in this crisis situation that could have been avoided had they mm-hmm. sought out appropriate guidance and, and advocacy in advance. So find an advocate. I'm sitting here listening to you. Yeah, and I'm sitting here listening to the to our conversation. I'm thinking. This is really something that we should be discussing, um, you know, in your will, for example, as you get closer to an age where things, because anything can happen at any given time. And we really should have, you know, somebody or something like empowered endings in our Rolodex of, okay, when this happens, if and when this is who you contact, this is really something that we need to start thinking about as all humans, because, you know, disease uh, you know, anything can happen at any given moment. So it really is something to consider. I couldn't agree more. And I feel like that's, <laughs> yeah, and that's something that we should all be thinking towards. And I have one last question, and only because I'm a huge advocate for listening to music. It helps calm me. It's one of those things that I do to make sure that my day gets started correctly and in the right frame of mind. I noticed that on your website, you also have music therapists as part of the team. Yeah. And what is the advantage to having a music therapist deal with a family or someone who is near end of life? It's pretty simple. Um, it's joy. It's our goal is to help people have more joyful experiences on their journey. Music brings people joy and music therapists are trained to use music as a tool to enhance a person's sense of well-being and, and joy. So our music therapists are literally angels who who bring a whole repertoire of of musical abilities and and experiences to each patient and family, and you know they explore the patient's uh, connection with music and the kinds of music they've enjoyed, the experiences that they've had around music, and and there's so many different ways in which the music and the connection is is utilized uh, in in caring for patients and families but bottom line is it's just another way to bring joy into people's lives it sounds like the experience that a family or or someone who is dealing with end of life would be so peaceful such a great way to end you know a lifetime and i can't thank you enough for joining me today if listeners want to learn more about what you do about your services um how can they do that empoweredendings.com it's, that's our website. We're, we're, we've been working very hard at making it beautiful and informative and engaging. Um, and so there's, uh, we have uh, Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and all the social media um, that we're, we, we have newsletters. We have a, a free um, end of life options guide, uh, an ebook on our website that people can go and download that uh, sort of, reiterate some of the things that we've talked about here and gives people a fair amount of information. But empoweredendings.com is the best way to learn more about us and and even get in contact with us if you're interested. Amazing. Thank you so much. And you can always find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Macchiella or my website, ClaudiaMacchiella.com. That's my show for this week. If you missed it, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and of course, Audible. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for listening. And I hope this helps you live your best life. The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at HealthyPlanetCanada.com. 
www.cameronmartin.com or go online to find a location nearest you. 